Welcome everyone to Star Trek. Oh, we've got a funny. I'm used to someone saying something hilarious. We sort of just pre-roll into it. I can't, I'm not used to like, the blind, funny. No, the never. blind open of us just kind of going. Hi, welcome to Star Trek Trek Trek. Oh, we're here to review some shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to Star Trek Trek Trek. Our ongoing review of Star Trek episodes. We are here reviewing season two of Strange New Worlds, the Lost in Translation Uhura Kirk focused episode. Yes, Kirk is back. I'm joined by ever faithful. Stars and Garters, and Cranky is joining us this week, moderator and just all-round awesome person of our community. He's Thank our favourite. Definitely. Don't tell everyone else, though. <laughs> <laughs> we're telling everyone now. Uh, yeah, we're here to <laughs> review uh, and talk about Lost in Translation, which we just watched. Go and look at our watch along if you want to come and join us on that. Um, guys, this episode. This episode is a bit of an all-rounder for everyone. I mean, the thing that surprised me is, is like, okay, this is going to be an Uhura episode, and Kirk's going to be here as well. The real Kirk. Finally, we get Lieutenant Kirk come in, and we get to see what Paul Wesley's metal is made of. But actually, we got Biffed Spock and Chapel. We got some Una and Pellier. We got a tiny bit of La Arm in there as well, and no Ortegas, which because you know, fuck us, we can't get a good Ortegas episode. <laughs> um, we had like the fewest, like a, a bit, a, a pretty decent focus in the last two episodes, yeah, mate. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. Anyway, I'll um, take you for off the gas. <laughs> oh no. Um, so, what do we think? What do we think? This episode, overall opinions. Oh, and we got some Hammer. We got Hammer. All about Hammer. Um, so I thought it was a bit weird when I put it on, and then uh, there was a load of like Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray, but then I realised I put in the wrong Lost in Translation. <laughs> I made the um, exact same joke at the start of the watch. Like, yes, we're here to watch Lost in Translation. Oh wait, no, not the two thousand three film. No, no. <laughs> Guess what? I wasn't here, so it's completely fresh and original joke. <laughs> it's a different video. It's fine. Yeah. So I think um, you know, starting off, this is a very classic episode. Like we were talking about um, episode four, I think the one on Rigel Seven, yes. and how that was a very classic you know, TNG TOS style episode. This is very TNG style. Like this is Night Terrors. This is Eye of the Beholder. Yeah, I was going to say Eye of the Beholder. Yeah. We have a subspacey mystery that we need to solve with like you know enough clues that it's fairly obvious if you know your Star Trek what's going to happen. But if it's your if Strangely Worlds is your first Star Trek, then this is your first time experiencing this plot structure and it will be a bit more of a surprise. That being said, so when you have a very standard plot structure where I was like, oh, are there going to be aliens in the... In, in, yeah, you, you saw it coming out. That's always yeah. going to be the way, yeah. Um, and at that point, it becomes, okay, what is the strength of the character development that's going on here? And I thought that a lot of the character development that went on here was really, really strong. And while... so. Back when they first kind of showed off Uhura in episode two of season one with the the comet, and they were talking about her tragic backstory, and um, I remember a lot of people were like, "Why does everyone in Starfleet have to have a tragic backstory? Why does everyone have to have dead parents or a dead brother or this or that?" If, you, if you've not had some tragic backstory, yeah. you can't serve as ensign. Like it just doesn't happen. You you got to be chief petty officer. And if you don't have oh, one, one will be assigned to you right away. <laughs> yes. If Wesley's Academy induction, they will PTSD you. Until you serve. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and like, everyone was saying, oh, does it really need to be a tragic backstory? Why can't a horror come from a place of like happiness in life? And it's like, I, I saw that criticism, but the fact that, you know, season two, episode six now, we've had three or four episodes just talking about Uhura's process with grief mm. and examining how that looks over a long period of time. You know, if you think about TNG someone dies and you feel bad about it and then they forget about it in the next episode. Like, yeah, yeah. Wolf felt pretty bad about Cito Jackson. Was he, did he ever say her name ever again after no. that one episode in TNG? No, son. he never did. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. Um, and I really appreciated that, like, yes, they made that decision to have a tragic backstory for Uhura and then they have committed to it and stuck to it and they are working with it and it is a constant part of her life. It doesn't define her, but it's a big part of her journey. And I feel like it's a interesting decision for a character who is so alive and vivacious and so driven to enjoy her life that you know her experience with Starfleet is kind of driven by tragedy and I feel like that's actually a relatively smart decision from a writing perspective so I was really happy that they've kind of taken this tack and stuck to it. Hmm. I kind of hope that before Strange New Worlds ends they'll put hmm. all that in a box somehow and she's over it she's she's happy or her ready for the next yeah. year, the original series. I, I think we're working towards that. Yeah. I think, like, because, you know, we've had... She's she's had two things to overcome, and, like, 
The first one is the death of Hema, which was working worked yeah. on a little bit here. She sort of had a bit of grief negotiation here. And the other one is the death of her parents, which also kind of a bit here, but not really expanded. I think when we saw the trailer for this episode and we saw the shuttle crash, we thought, oh, no, she's going to relive it and there's going to be a whole episode based on her parents. But it kind of wasn't that. That was used as a catalyst for translating like what the aliens intentions were which was an interesting take because we what what more can you say than her parents died in the shuttle accident you know and, and her brother i believe they said her brother as well i believe her brother as well yeah. yeah i think i think they do need to revisit that story though to mm. to cap it off in in, in her mind because it's still an open thing in her mind obviously she's thinking about well, distressing her yeah, because in this episode, I think it's more of a case of, like, we need to get her ready to address it at all, because she even mm. says, I can't look at pictures of them, I can't talk about it with anyone, because yeah. every time I do, I just start to lock up. And here, she's able to actually look at pictures, and I think maybe, mm. especially if I, if I suspect we might be getting some cyborg involvement in the next few episodes, like, I would love for this to be her pain that she deals with, and yeah. that, you know, in a fucked up way, it helps her progress. Like, I'm always a, yeah. a big fan of, you know, like, through adversity you, you triumph that's a very star trek thing um but i definitely don't think this is the end of like you know this has been going for season two seasons now like yeah. a season and a half rather um i don't think they're going to just suddenly drop it and she's fine i think they're going to continue to develop it and work there's, with it. there's going to be an episode where she has to confront it and at, at the end the last two or three seconds of the episode are going to be her looking at a picture of her, of her family yeah in this in on her in her quarters on the side yeah, smiling, yeah. I think that'd be happy. Nice. She's she's confronted it. They're there now. They're part of her yeah. life now. There'll be a mental yeah. image of her mother that comes up to her and says, "Let me take you this fan dance, and you can only do it in the moonlight. <laughs> only in the moonlight. Yes, whilst singing. Um, mm. Yeah. So this is this was a good point. You who episode. Um, <laughs> Yes. Um, she, I mean, all credit to Celia, uh, Celia Gooding in this episode. She was utterly amazing. Like, and she has proven to be like, God bless Nichelle Nichols. She she is amazing in herself and such an inspiring actor and in such an inspiring character at the right time for progressive movements. But TOS never gave her much chance to show her acting chops. I feel like this is Celia doing absolutely amazing justice to the uhura character because she rocks she's just so good she really is yeah no the scene that she has with kirk where she's talking about you know the inability to even look at pictures of them and then he gives his amazing speeches like that's two incredibly talented performers in a room just talking about grief and how you deal with it and it's like a lot of the time that's what makes the bonding so good and um yeah. if you think about it um i remember reading a piece that said that even though the bonding is like you know, season three of TNG, it's arguably one of the foundations for modern Trek as we know it. Because hmm. um, season one and season two of TNG, you're getting there, but then season three is a very mature like mediation on you know, like Jeremy Astor and Marla Astor, and like that whole thing is a very mature. We're just going to sit down and talk about death for forty five minutes, yeah. like a similar theme. Yeah, um, you're right, and actually, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and they were talking about how with Michael Pillar and like um, you know, that writing room, how that was such a transformative thing from the you know Maurice Hurley and the Gene Roddenberry school of we're just going to do weird space, space adventures with a lot of sex in them. Um, and so, no, that was a very mature thesis, and this is kind of the natural evolution of that point. And getting to see those two just act off each other is so much yeah. fun. I think, um, like, it, it, a testament to how good any actor is is if you can have two people in the room talking about anything and you're gripped. Like, I always go back to Pulp Fiction when you've got Samuel L. Jackson mm. and uh, John Travolta in the car talking about burgers. Literally, they're having an idle conversation about the, the Royale with cheese. And it's such a gripping conversation. You glue the whole way through because it's funny and it's it's a conversation about nothing, but because of the strength of the actors, it's so good. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of the energy that a lot of the Strange New World cast bring here. Like the conversation between Chapel and Spock about sort of playing chess and talking about quantum relationships is Very the same charged, kind yeah. of thing. It's like you're engrossed in it because the actors are giving the right energy and putting everything to it, which I think is missed in, say, sort of more... Uh, like people say like oh well, i want the 26 episode seasons back on you think like there are still shows that do that now and you watch them now and a lot of it's just like we're talking from one point to another they're not investing the time that the actors can give and this absolutely does mm. respect the actor's time and the dialogue's time in a very good way and it's it's gripping mm. yeah and it's 
I, th- I think that's part of the reason why. So we're going to talk, one one of the flaws of this episode is that you know we aren't getting a lot of Una in season no. one and season two. We want more Una, which we do and get a fair not... bit this episode. She does have a little a bit. bit, yeah. But sorry, go on. A little bit, but the thing is, is that like part of the reason we're clamoring for more Una and for more Ortegas is because these are very like, you know, experienced and talented performers who every time they get a chance to show what they can mm-hmm. do. We have a great time with it, so we just want more and more and more of them. Like, no, I don't think there's anyone on the Trade You Worlds cast where I look at them and I go, "I could do with less of you." Mm. I'm only ever yeah. going, "I want more of this character and more of that character." Although, let's hear so. Cranky's opinions on Pelia. <laughs> now, the character in general, I have no issues issues with. She's it's a decent character, and it's yeah. it fits in. It's, it, I don't know, it's just that voice. Is it the it's, accent? I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about the accent is hard to get into. Not necessarily. And... The, the accent, it's hard to understand a few of the things she says, mm. but it's the whispering and the sort of the croakiness that makes it awkward and hard. Mm. The, the, that's what gets me. You get you get the loud explosions and all the, the fancy noises that are going on, and then she's whispering quietly. Mm. You can't hear her. I mean, that's yeah. That that, that could be related to a sound. I mean, she, no, that's she, also a bit of an issue with the Menga because of the way that he's yeah, putting yeah, on yeah, the yeah, Menga's yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He has. He also yeah. has a very strong accent for, uh, and I'll say this gently, but anglicised people such as us are, are yeah. is yes. and are not tuned to that accent. You know, that I, is. And I do. Is, I do understand that. For many people, I speak with an accent. I speak yeah, with a very country, very West Country, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, a very country accent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, speaking of Pelia and Una, let's let's go over to that conversation because we did have we do have a little bit of Una development here because I think a lot of people's complaints with Una are we get like one episode from season one and we get one episode from season one and we don't get a whole lot else and that is a shame because I think of all the legacy characters, she is the one we want to know more about and we have we are being drip fed things here. And we get more of her with her interaction with Pelia here, which is nice, but it does sort of paint her more as a stick in the mud. And it, it is nice to see that relationship develop with Pelia in the end, sort of just going like, oh, yeah, I gave you a C, you a crap. Like, I kind of love that moment when she turned around and goes like, yeah. oh, you were one of my best students. No, you you just want to hear that. You're shit. <laughs> that's what she said about uh, Hemmer, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. hilarious. Hemmer, yeah. I absolutely don't believe that that's true. I'm pretty sure Hem was probably one of our best students, but she said that just to make her go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Said, oh, like, I'm well, only I'm... saying that because he's dead. He was actually average. Yeah. <laughs> he's so mid, so mid. I called him Lieutenant Mid in my head. Um... And then, then she said, look at where he got to. Yeah. After that. Yeah. I think that's that's a nice little life lesson as well. Like for people that sort of go through school and, and in our country we have exams called GCSEs and like people do their GCSEs and like me, you do middling things and then, you know, it just goes to show that after that point you can still do amazing things. I didn't. I'm still middling and terrible, but hey. <laughs> no. So one of my favourite things about Pike is a little character detail from season two of Discovery. And it's that he has a failing grade in astrophysics. And it's just a wonderfully um, humanizing thing, yeah. and hearing that Una also has a C in maintenance. But guess what? She, she has a C, Pike has a fail, but that bothers her more than <laughs> Pike is bothered about I mean, his grade. And I feel like that's a really great Una illustration of the Simpson. characters. Una is Lisa Simpson, yes. isn't she? she all yeah. but yeah. playing the saxophone. Yeah. She's the exact same character. Like She's smug, she's pride. Yeah. She's a little bit of arrogance in there, but she thinks she should be the best. Like, and yeah, yeah, I can see that more. Yeah, my, I, I just, my issue not... with the Una development, sorry, is um, mm-hmm. yeah, go for it. when we when we when we do like we did get a little bit of Una in this episode, but it's based she it, she's developing another character. Her character's developing another character. It's not mm-hmm. her. It's the focus isn't on her, even though we're getting a little bit of Una yeah. development. It, you're you're spending more time on, on Pelia than Una herself. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you, you you do a pretty decent job of illustrating who they are by contrast because mm. you know, Aunt Pelia is chaos, she's disorder, she's mm. emotion, she's I'm going to do what I feel is right because of my gut instinct. She's impulse. Yes, exactly. And then it's you know, it's incredibly it's McCoy versus Spock. It's the exact same conflict. Yeah, kind of is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Una is cold. She's logical. She's I am managerial. I am you, know, you follow my instructions to the letter, and that is consistent with her characterization throughout Strange mm-hmm. Worlds and also in Discovery. Like when we meet her in Discovery season two, she's like you know basically pulling in all these favors. She's the one that everyone goes to for 
get things in order, get people marching to the correct spaces, get me this ship ready by this date. Mm. She's very good at managerial tasks, and that's because she has a very strict timetable. And to be fair, I bet you, if you're not someone like Pelia, who is in, you know, used to being you know, queen of your own domain, um, yeah, I, I trust her guts, yeah. Um, it's a case of, you know, if you follow her, she's probably great to work with. She's probably you know, very quick to hand out praise if you do a good job. Very good at making sure you know exactly what you need to be doing and when you need to be doing it by. And it, like that, you know, clear goals, which is important in a managerial sort of position. But to Pelia, she's like, oh, you're, you're going to fucking kill any kind of fun I'm going to have on the ship, aren't you? Yeah. And it's like, that's an easy concept. And by showcasing that over a few different scenes, I feel like you get a much more idea of what she's like in a professional context. Which is interesting, like, to think about what these characters are like on a professional basis, because if you think about it, you know, this is a conflict that happens all the time on Star Trek Reddit, where they talk about whether or not Jellicoe or Riker was in the right in Chain of Command. Yes. And so often those um, conversations come down to whether or not you think Starfleet is a military or not, and, like, whether or not you think that Jellicoe's managerial style is... like. And that's a really interesting conversation to have. So seeing it brought up in this contest, I thought was interesting. And that, using that to illustrate character. But to be yeah. fair, I have got, talked about in the past about how I'm very willing to read into characters and like infer my own sort of reading. So I can absolutely see why that might not have landed for people. There's, I mean, there's something in that. There is, there is something in having a character with enough wiggle room that it can inspire everyone. Like you can see yourself mm. in, in, in a character that is maybe not so one focused. Like I know some people look at Jellicoe and go, well, I can see my regimented self in there. And, but maybe I can see my more looser self in uh, Riker, which is what makes Chain mm. of Command such a good episode, because you're seeing two sides mm. of a psyche, essentially, and yeah. that, that's that's yeah. you know, it, it, that's why people criticize Star Trek alien races because they tend to be very one focus around you know, mm. Cleons are around your honor, the Ferengi are around your capitalism, hats, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it, it could also work in character archetypes as well, and in, in, in the story. So now I can I, I I can definitely see that. Um, oh, God, I forget which point I was going to move along to now. I thought about it and you completely distracted me. I'm not going to get on to Kirk Sorry. yet. There's one more thing I want to get before we get to Kirk. And I, Oh, no, no, it's not that. I've already forgotten. So thing, <laughs> while you're thinking about that, then, Go on. Pellier, the, is it Pellier? Pellier? Pellier. Pellier. P E L I A. Pellier. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I, I like the fact that they sort of, they made out, like, obviously, she's been on Earth a long time, she's been around humans mm. a long time. They're showing that she understands humans and how they work, and she can poke the right, push the right buttons, and mm. poke them in the right places, get the right reaction. I like, I like that they're doing that a little bit. That, that kind of yeah. Way. She's got a little bit of that Guinan. I've been experiencing your race for so long that I have the insight yeah. into your psyche. And so, even though she comes across as very childish and very, I'm going to do things that annoy you because it's fun. Um, there's that always an underlying logic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know mm. what buttons to press that will push people in the right direction and yeah. what would be a dick move like yeah. she says that like, that thing about Hema to Uhura and it's like partly that's the case that I think she wants to kind of push her to you know, I'm going to be a catalyzing presence I'm going to push you to be something a bit more different a bit more independent because you know, a lot of the time for some people especially if they're a bit more sort of like passive people you need someone to push them by yeah. being like a polar opposite that you're like push you away like a magnet type thing but then the outcome that they're aiming for yeah. is for it to work out well to work out good absolutely yeah uh, and that's why i kind of enjoyed like the conversation she has with una and the shuttlecraft where it's like mm. i totally understand what you're doing and i'm gonna let you work it out by you know having a go at me but in the end we all know what this is about actually and there's that yeah. like quiet moment i'm standing and i want to call out again um, I called this out last episode, and I have to say it again. I absolutely love that we've had multiple episodes of you know, just female-led senior officers, and they are just talking about themselves and their relationships. And it's like, you know, the Betch Doll test and all that lot is a bit of an outdated measure, but I still think of it every time. Yeah. It's the case of, are there two female characters who have a conversation in the story that is not about a man? And this one passes it with the flying colors because it's actually just... And the whole series Una does. And the talking about themselves. Yeah. Like... Well, Strange New Worlds is doing a lot better work, like, job of it because, like, last episode, it was Una, uh, no, it was um, Uhura, Ortegas, and Chapel in the shuttle, and they were just talking. And they were talking about Spock, but it was also a case of we were talking about Ortegas' command style, and we're talking about the risk that Chapel wants yeah. to take. And 
you know, all these different things. Like I love seeing that balance and yeah. a strong female cast. Like, this is such a good list of like female performers. It goes back to like there's, there's a phrase from uh, okay, he is problematic, Joss Whedon, very problematic person. Mm. Uh, it's pretty much black, blacklisted, but he did say one thing profound, which maybe is not so profound when you get the context but someone says like well how do you write women he goes well, i don't write women i just write people you know and he just says mm. like you don't you don't write women as women or you don't write men as men you just write people and let the let the script do the work you know and like okay mm. he ends up being a bit of a perfect creep but that does still stand as na- unfortunately that's still just stands an accurate statement like you know the best way you can pass yeah. the best L test is don't th- think about that kind of stuff just treat them as characters that need motivation yeah. to move through a scene that isn't related to well and, and, i think it does require a bit of self-consciousness and self-awareness yeah. But yeah yeah maybe that is why he's overcompensating but they are <laughs> yeah, um, okay let's go uh, let's address the shatner in the room and talk about we have now seen the real uh captain kirk could he please beam over or stand up could he be please beam up there we go that's the phrase um please beam up please beam beam up up. um yeah so we've finally seen paul wesley enacting a real captain kirk not an alternate reality not a a lost reality no this is actually the real lieutenant kirk now first officer of the farragut which I, i mentioned i don't have an issue with he's the youngest first officer in the fleet that tracks and he is now here Helping, like I like the pretense that Sam invited him over onto the ship to show him the ship. Sam gets pissy and leaves, and Kirk's just like, "I got nothing better to do. Fuck it, might as well just interfere." <laughs> to be yeah. fair, like if I had the opportunity, if I was a ambition-led officer like mm. Kirk, and I was about had the opportunity to have swan around on the flagship for a while, I would absolutely spend that time in the bar making yeah. connections, just, just, because yeah. that's the smart career move. I was wandering I around just thinking like, I'm going to blow this ship up in about 20 years. We're going to do things to the ship, you don't understand. Um, so... I love Paul Wesley, and I've been like an advocate. I, I, when I first saw him in Quality of Mercy, I was like, okay, I need to feel my way around yeah, it. A few more watches. Yeah. But every I, every time I've seen him since, I'm like, no, this was a good choice. And it's like, I can absolutely understand everyone's trepidation. Like, oh, you got the Vampire Diaries guy? Like, that doesn't seem like the kind of guy mm. you get for James C. fucking Kirk. But especially this episode, I feel like completely sells like, no, they made absolutely the right choice. He has the charisma. He has the intelligence. Mm. He has that flirtatious edge that doesn't come across as creepy. Smarm. Um, he has a bit of smarm. Yeah. He has that machismo a little bit when he's interacting. He has that little bit of, I'm going to be a fucking dick, but in like a fun way. Mm. Um, he is a very multi-layered character. He makes sense yeah. as a human being. And you even get to see a bit of that vulnerability, which you often didn't get to see with Shatner, because Shatner was so often, I'm not going to allow myself to be vulnerable in certain ways. Like, the script says I have to be vulnerable here, so I have to be, but Wesley's very good at showcasing that in that conversation he has with um, Lan in the corridor yeah. about yeah. his dad, which is... You know, the conversation he has with Sam about their father, and then the conversation he has with Lan about his father... That's a really interesting insight into his character. And just like with uh, episode five, where a lot of the 2009 movie informs like Spock's childhood, because it's essentially the same. You, the, you know, what does um, Jim Kirk say about his father? Oh, he spent his entire life helping out other people and not being there for me. Yeah. What does Kelvin George Kirk do? Oh, he spent his entire life being there for other people and not being there for me because he died saving other people. Yeah, and it's really interesting it's, it's, seeing these two things running in parallel. It's cool. It's really like mm. I think we, we said it, I said about this on the on the watch Sue. It is they have been so careful and they've been right to be careful. Like they've shown a lot of Kirk and a lot of people and I know there are some people are still on the thing and saying like, well, we shouldn't be seeing Kirk at all, not this soon, but I think if they're going to... I was, I was it, very against it. No, and mm. we were all trepidous. Ah. Everyone was. Like even mm. after Quality of Mercy, I'm still just like, oh, do we need this to happen? But... Now I've seen what they've done and how they've done it, I'm kind of all for it. Because Quality of Mercy, we got to see an alternate universe Kirk uh, and introduce us gently to the character in a different way. We knew that this wasn't Kirk, this was a different version of Kirk, and okay, we get used to that. This gets us introduced into Paul Wesley as the character. Then we get Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow with Laan and another alternative Kirk, and we get to see a lot more of him. We get him to see the main Mm. driving of the plot. We get to see what his 
what Paul Wesley's acting style is like with this version. And then finally, we get the real Kirk. We get introduced to... We, we're now familiar with Paul Wesley and, and his, his interpretation of this character. And now we get to see it in for real. We've had the practice runs. We've had the the lead up into it. And now we're not just being dropped with this guy says, oh, hi, not like the Chris Pine way who has to prove himself straight from the off front by... Which should be really intimidating. Yeah. Which, which is really intimidating. But I mean, obviously Chris Pine is great. I love Chris Pine's Kirk. It, it is, it's really fun. It's um, but this yeah. is definitely done in a very clever way that we're introduced to it gradually in a kind of, we've gotten used to seeing this face for first, because faces are everything. Like when you're recasting mm. someone like we had with Uhura and Chapel, we're introduced to their face first. And now we're in, we've got their characters down. Now we have Kirk as a character and Paul Wesley is that character introduced to us. We now, we, we now see the real Kirk and he can now, embellish some of the Kirkisms he's taken from his own performance and brought them alongside this now uh, prime universe interpretation and it works really well I think I think it's really clever I know other may may disagree and that's fine you know but I think it's very clever and they he plays it so well I think it's really good mm-hmm. I'm kind of like now I am now all that people I'm just like maybe they could do TOS in about five years time maybe I wouldn't be against that as much as I was a year ago perhaps yeah Kirk, Kirk's definitely working now I was mm. I was one of those people that when they first when we first found out Kirk was going to be in Strange New Worlds I was like yeah, yeah you, why, everyone why felt it we were all just like oh do you really come yeah. on yeah um, but there, I mean it was it was the the time travel episode where they went back to Earth Lan and Kirk that one really it set mm-hmm. it for me and it kind of went okay this guy kind of works and this episode he was really good i enjoyed him is um mm-hmm. i don't know if i'd want to see a tos yeah. i mean like, like we said in the stream if they could do if they can do like a prequel to tos maybe Which a little series of, yeah yeah well they well, they show how uh, scotty gets on the enterprise they show how sulu and Chekhov get on the enterprise and they all meet and they become friends because tos starts obviously after the cage that's it they're all a crew well obviously not check off but they're all the rest of them are, are a crew and they've, they've been together mm-hmm. so if they can do the little bit even showing like i said this during the watch long but you see what they've done with uhura and chapel and even Kirk, you know in, in this series of expanded characters that were people that were just sitting you know people who were sitting behind shatner nimoy and kelly like mm-hmm. for the whole like yeah. three seasons yeah. like and see what they've done L- with Uhura decks, here. TOS lower decks. Yeah, exactly. Like, Almost. but imagine, like, imagine we got this treatment with Sulu, with Chekhov, with um, uh, somebody else, <laughs> with Mitchell, <laughs> Gary. Mitchell. Obviously, we need to see. Yeah, yeah, we need yeah. to see Deputy Chief Engineer DeSalle, Obviously. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, but you know the, the other. Yeah. Guy, the, the other characters. But, yeah, um, I want to pick up on uh, a point that you made, Idol, which is that so. There's a thing I love to do with like uh, characters, which is like introducing multiple versions of the character, um, you know, separated by dimensions or by time or whatever. Mm. And you, it allows you to examine what is the essential truth of that person, because there's obviously going to be a commonality to them. Like, what are the things that are common to every version of this character? And by showing us you know, all these different versions of Kirk, you go, okay, that's different, that's different, that's different. What's the commonality? And you start to go, yeah. oh, he's just a charming son of a bitch who thinks he knows the better who thinks he knows everything and most of the time he does and like that's a charming thing that it allows you to worm its way into your good races and you miss him when he dies and you like you go you know what maybe he was right instead of pike here and so you kind of wear down your natural you know i don't want to see kirk i want i'm here for pike and everything and you go and it, it turns you from, I don't ever want to see a TOS prequel. I don't want to see anyone other than Shatner or Pine playing this character to someone like Cranky being like, you know what? Maybe yeah. there's room for your TOS thing. Mm. And it's like the fact that they managed to work us all from, oh God, you're not doing Kirk to this is a sign that it's working. It's really, yeah. really smart. But I mean, I'm, I'm, interested, <laughs> I'm interested to see what they do with, because in the, was it the was the last episode where they went to the planet mm. with the they said about the it's the five year mission and they were it had been five years since they previously went to that planet. Um I think they're so, on the seven, I think that's episode four. So yeah. we're in we're in the final year of their five no, year mission. I th- at the I moment. think I think the, I think Pike has two five year missions. I'm pretty sure he's yeah. had a couple so of that's, spells. That's, yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I'm in. I'll be interested to see what they yeah. do with this second fight. What, mm. like at the end of oh, this okay. season, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. going to be the end of their five-year mission. 
what mm. are they going to do with this the second five year mission? How is that going to play out? Yeah, because yeah. and, and how does it play into the original series? Because again, I like, think that's got to involve Pike in his accident and. There is and there is then. some stuff that he, I think like with the time crystals and Pike's event, you know, what we've elaborated in season one, I think they're gonna sl- slip some very elaborate rug from under us with the whole menagerie situation crystals. and Pike's ultimate mm. resolution. I think there's something gonna happen there. But um anyway, regardless, Kirk Kirk is yes, Paul so. Wesley's Kirk has definitely sold me out. Sorry, go on, Stars. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, the the better Kirk brother. Let's talk about Sam. Sam, Sam and Kirk. Oh, uh, Sam and James. Like, what a combo! I, I, I remarked that Sam. I would watch a Shuttlepod One style episode, which is the two of them in a shuttle just bitching the whole way through. I think that would make a very good episode. Yeah, because yeah. like for context, like my, I think the actor's name is like Dan Geno or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and my first experience with him was he played the main character in Assassin's Creed Unity, and I oh, hated he? that character. He was awful. Yeah, he was uh, Arno Dornian, and like I hated that character. He was an absolute <laughs> milksop asshole. I hate him. So when I saw him turn up in here, and then it's like, oh, he's just a weirdo. He's just a goofy little guy. He's just a weirdo with a mustache who like wants to like sit in his lab with his little dinosaur his beakers, skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> and get hit by eggs and like walk away when Lan tells him to fuck off. Like he's just a weirdo. And then you get to this episode, and suddenly there's this deep, really compelling well of like family drama. Oh my god! And he immediately meets Paul Wesley, and it's like a cross counter of like they're actually kind of like equal and opposite forces of like personality here. Like Sam is. They did Not this. Less confident, but he's still strong. They did this in about ten minutes, like with about or less than mm. that of screen time. Most yeah. of this, most of this episode is a horror, mm. but they've all this stuff we're talking about with Kirk and Sam and stuff like that was minute part of the episode. And look how much we're raving about it. But yeah. mo- any, anyone who's grown up with a brother, I don't know if you two, have, either of you two, mm. got brothers, you know mm. what you, you see what they're doing, and you know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. you can feel it it brings back those memories like when i see my brother you know we don't talk a lot but we, as soon as i see him it brings back all that stuff <laughs> you, you sort of you look at each other in that, that specific way that you know one's expecting him yeah yeah no, you, you pick up the relationship exactly where you left it off is exactly yeah. what it is um yeah. And like that bit at the end with like de- um fucking Sam and his eyebrows so and good. Jim just no yeah. selling it like you're such a fucking asshole Jim, <laughs> um, yeah. and it's like yeah no I would be annoyed if I was Sam but here's the thing is I'm being kind of generous to Jim here and I'm thinking that maybe he's trying to intentionally push Sam so that he isn't as reliant on his father's approval of what he's doing he's he trying to like that way, yeah. push him away a bit for his own good and i'd be interested to see if this um comes to anything because by the time of tos by the time of operation annihilate um like sam i don't think is on an active posting i don't think he's even part of starfleet anymore is he um uh, don't think so i think he's he's gone off to was it denever yeah Denever colony i'm not yeah. sure if he's even starfleet anymore but he's obviously left the flagship and it's like I'm wondering if they're going to delve into that, and I really want to see more of this relationship because his and like Paul Wesley's like chemistry was excellent. Mm. What well, is is that going to be? Because Kurt comes onto the Enterprise and it, he decides he Maybe. has to move away. Maybe, mm. and that could bring up all kinds of resentment of like, you know, you couldn't just like sit on your own ship and be. You, think you had to take the flagship. You had yeah. to take the ship that I'm on when yeah. you know we don't get along, and I define myself and happily promise. Like yeah. that could be a real big swell of emotion and like drama there. I'm really interested to see if they go into that. What um, if, what yeah, if, here's, here's a, oh, we're going to be talking this, this is probably our longest one, but what if, like, and I've got a feeling this might actually happen, but what if something happens mm. to Una and Kirk ends up joining the Enterprise crew as first officer, and then that's how he gets the captaincy, mm. because there's no reason he'd get the captaincy just out of the blue without, you know, because the Farragut doesn't sound like it's the most amazing ship. He comes onto the Enterprise and goes, wow, look at this, nothing's falling this, off the this- walls. Like EPS grids are trying to get everywhere. This is a luxury. Look at this bard. He comes like, you know, he's like. So if I recall. Uh, he was captain in the alternate episode, yeah. but I believe in he, canon he took command during the Dichronium cloud incident I in Tycho 4. If, no, I don't think he took command. I think it, he was just there when it happened, and that was two years for, well, for he canon. Did, wasn't he, was... he gave the order for the phases or something like that? 
Was it maybe? Or if he well, the captain got killed, so maybe. I mean, that yeah. could have accelerated his his um, chances to be first officer, and hence why he's the youngest mm. person in the fleet. You know, to to assume that position. Um, but mm. yeah, I you know I could very much see them bringing on Paul Wesley. Oh, I like. I, I could see I, it. If it's just me, you know, it's I. I can't just can't just be. Can't, I can't. I haven't even got words for this. It can't just be me. <laughs> but I'm very impressed. Like I am with this Kirk. It's so good. Let's yeah. speed on because we have spent quite a long time talking about this episode. And Paul Uhura, the focus of the episode, has barely got any of it. Let's talk about best and worst moments, gentlemen. Please, I'm gonna start with cranky. I guess this week your best and worst moment, please. Um. I think best moment just for the the shock and awe of it was Zombie Hammer. Oh my god, yes. That was beautiful. That was a beautiful moment. That makeup going, was so good. Yeah, it looked really good. Really really good. Um if I had a second moment it would I, it would just I, be but, but, uh, Wait wait wait. Don't steal someone else's second. Let him. Yeah, no, Come on. I'll Come stick on. with Hammer. Yeah. I'll stick with Hammer. <laughs> um worst moment I think is probably Oh, we we pressed the stop button. It didn't work. Let's just fire eight torpedoes and yeah. destroy the station. Let's let's uh, let's go over that a bit. I mean, I, I give props to. No, we haven't actually spoken the fact that Bruce Horat came back for the episode. And uh, for people wondering, this was actually filmed before season one aired. So, like, this is before we. There was no fan demands like, oh, we love Hammer, and people were like, oh, bring him back. No, no, this all happened before. This is always planned in the original. But yeah. Uh, Great to see Bruce Hoare come back, and great to see Hammer again because oh, my heart still beats for Valio Beta, but yeah. um, <laughs> uh, it was really good. Yeah. But um, yeah, I have to agree with your last point, with your worst moment, and that yeah, it did seem a bit sudden at the end there, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, it was like, like we're at the end of the episode, let's just destroy it. I get that Pike is trusting. Like he's trusting of his officers, but I think we we spoke about this in the resurgence thing tr- uh, stars when you were saying trust but verify. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, we, like we need some information rather than just saying like, oh yeah, hurrah, fire all the torpedoes for just the fact you can send some episodes like your Deanna Troy. Um, mm. It seemed a bit far fetched. It was a bit, yeah. Um, stars best and worst moments. Uh, I'm gonna be greedy and I'm gonna have two bests. I don't care. Oh, um, son of a bitch. Yo, oh, star, oh, stars! Why do you get to have two? Because I, I'm, I've been here every goddamn week and I deserve your stars. Yeah. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> so my first one is just Sam. I love Sam. I, I think that what this has done is turn William Shatner with a mustache into a compelling character <laughs> that I want to see every week, and I love it. <laughs> Um, like the, the fact Someone that that's what that character used to be, and now he's a character of substance yeah. that I'm invested in, yeah. is a te- it's a testament to the, the strength of a prequel done right. Is if you start to care about things that didn't matter before. Um, and the second part is I really want to give props just to like the whole scene between Uhura and Kirk in her quarters, where he's oh. talking about you know, confronting death and not letting death Sorry. win, and her t- expressing her grief and yeah. what her grief has done, not just in terms of like you know, losing her, p- her parents, but losing all of her memories of them to the point where I can't even look at them without feeling just overwhelmed and feeling worse than I did the night when they died, because I've lost everything before that point as well. And it's like such a strong scene and it's like it would have been so easy to overplay it but it's like i was watching her during that scene it's like she doesn't break down into tears it takes her so long for her to actually start crying she just holds it in and it's such a wonderful expression of that grief um in terms of worse i would probably just say that this is kind of a general season two thing but give me more una i want a more una focus mm. i think we, we are quite a bit of this episode two, as well mm. Yeah, we had a good bit of it, but it was like, it's a bit of a thing. And I was talking about how it illuminates the character, but I want another character study. I think she's a really compelling character. She's got so many more stories to tell. And like, I would love to see a, a episode where she gets to come into conflict with Pike and they don't agree on everything for once. That would be, so be really interesting. Yeah. Um, Probably about Patel. Because like, she's like, a that'd woman of strong opinions. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, she really is. She yeah. is. Yeah, I love her mystique. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, in general, that and 
And the the bit with the station didn't annoy me as much. I was like, you're basically stuffing aliens into a blender to make your car go faster. Like, stop, put an end to that. You can always rebuild later. That's what it is. Um, Wait but for I the dinosaurs to die like and turn into you. oil before you burn them. <laughs> no, stuff, stuff the Velociraptor into your gas tank and hit start. Go. Um, but yeah, I, I can see why that would annoy you. It doesn't annoy me as much as you guys, but I can totally understand why go um idle best and worst wow i mean you guys haven't even talked about like the the the, the fact that spock turned around and going, went frustrating and we had the moment where he met kirk for the first time mm. i was so happy that that was the moment like it wasn't just a kind of oh here's lieutenant spock he's my first officer and a pleasure jim and they just meet like that no no it's talking about sam is like oh you find him and spock just interjects out of the blues frustrating and then uhura is the one to to get to meet them to say oh yeah yeah you know James this is this is Spock and then they sit down and have Match a speak and, and literally and then they sit and have a chat and it's there's no special fanfare there's no like massive mm. music like oh my god this is the moment they speak no no they're just talking about how much they hate Jim's brother like <laughs> I mean they kind then, of well, as as they shook hands the, the way the camera yeah worked, yeah was there was, was a kind of like, to it. And you, you kind of go, yes. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. but it was definitely, a, you weren't expecting that. That that, no. that that Spock moment might as well have been a jump scare in a horror movie because it was just like, it just came out of like, you didn't expect it to happen. It's just like frustrating. Yeah. And all of a sudden Spock's there and you're just like, oh my God, it's happening. It's actually happening. Yeah. They're meeting. And it's, it, it was... Yeah. It was done very cool. I loved that moment. Yeah, it was, and then they just sit and chat, and they're like now they're getting to know each other. Now they have the reporter to call back on, and there may have been something that conversation to go like, "Are we lovers now?" Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> my worst moment is I am gonna that have to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's only just, they've only just got together, and now he's met her. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't um, know but it's already sunk it's already over <laughs> that was the catalyst it wasn't cyborg no 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 it was james kirk of course it was um <laughs> no worst moment i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to do the rare thing and take oh same as cranky's as well i think that the fact that uhura just shouted and went no there's aliens in that nebula and pike went fire all the torpedoes and like agreed with her and just <laughs> yeah. sort of like without kind of going like can we sure where's the scans can we get sam kirk up here to verify and him go i've got the readings right here there's alien life i corroborated it no no just torpedoes yeah we have to assume that sam called ahead to the bridge because they were yeah. talking over the comms and um, they said i've got yeah. the theory it would have been nice to see spock just do a scan and tune his still yeah. to see it. just that a little little problem, extra a little extra step to kind of go that rub before because or, or, or like we said in the when we were watching like um dam said on discord if pike could have said oh you know we're too close to the gorn border we need to destroy it, this yeah. station we can't let it go into their hands fair enough go for it destroy it a little a little yeah, extra those there Just something I'm, I'm not gonna get too hung up over it. it's not like the worst thing to have happened everywhere right. it, it, it was there nah. to expedite the plot uh and you got mm. celia you got celia gonna just say like photo torpedoes you know she got to go like i'm cool let's do that yeah. and that's that's fine i'm not i'm not it's not my worst moment ever but it's probably like my least favorite moment of the episode but i think that brings us nicely stars what is our rating uh criteria for this episode Gentlemen, how many of Sam Kirk's emotive eyebrows out of ten would you like to give this episode? <laughs> yeah, I can go with that. I can go with that. That's, excuse me. I, I was hoping it was going to be zombie hammers. How many zombie hammers out of ten? I always like to go for the left field pick. No, yeah. <laughs> no I can go with that. That's totally fine. The, I was the, thinking the, also uh, like how many of Uhura's undrunk Saurian brandies, but there we are. <laughs> that's good. She just took that and left him. That was how much, that's how put off from Jim Kirk she was. Okay, Cranky, what are you going to... And chat, by the way, chat, if you're there, give us your ratings. We will accumulate them for the final result while we're talking about this. Cranky, what is your rating, please? Um, I think I'm going to go for... I'm torn between sort of six and seven. If I think I'm going to lean more towards seven. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll go six point five. Six point five. Ooh, that's that's quite okay. But it's partly because I was. It was so much better than the last episode for me. So it, <laughs> it, it felt really good. What What would you have rated? Like, just out of interest, what would you have rated charades? Two. Wow. What? Well, yeah, I'm not I think the spreadsheet. <laughs> maybe two and a half. Maybe Holy two and a half. Shit. Wow. 
You've become the if most I hated person poor, on the internet right now. I started as poor writing. It was it was a cheap shot. <laughs> okay, stars. Uh, I'm gonna have to like blow your ass out here, cranky. I give it an eight point five. This is an easy eight point five for me. Like, um, I was kind of tempted to give it a nine, but you guys have kind of talked me down with the wow. the explanation of the plot at the end there. But I think this masterfully blends all of the different um character development that I wanted to see. It com completely sold me on Jim Kirk. I really like where they're taking Sam's yeah. character. Uhura's development is excellent. I really liked where they're taking Spock and Chapel, where we're going to see that developing in the background. Um, the only marks against it are, yeah, the expedition of the plot at the end, the fact that it's a fairly standard Star Trek plot, uh, and the lack of, like, you know, Una development is a bit of a shame. So, like, I feel like that kind of knocks it down a few points, but I felt this is a really good episode. I would absolutely mm. recommend this episode to anyone well, who likes it. Put me up to a seven. I think I'm going to go for a seven. <laughs> Talk to you after a seven. A seven <laughs> of <laughs> Sam Kirk's <laughs> with eyebrows. It's when Star said about Kirk and Sam, you know, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, it brought back memories of me and my brother. <laughs> Um, <laughs> best efforts give us an 8.5 oh, so my good friend Marie agrees I'm going to give this a 9 I for what I said my faults were it was literally like 2 seconds of the plot um, mm. like that was it that was it. they rushed up there and went fire torpedoes and then that was it the rest of the episode was so good like oh, I really good. like like there are, we spoke this before. There are some, there are some episodes I've sat there and kind of gone, not various moments. I get my phone out and go, oh, what am I doing here? You know, that instant little moment of distraction. There was none of this in this episode. I was invested in everything of Uhura. I was invested in everything that that like Kirk was doing. Like Paul Wesley was amazing. We had great ensemble cast work. We had some good, you know, for whatever you do, whatever you think of Pelia. I thought Pelia and Una was a great little interaction that linked in nicely with the mm. plot. I feel this was a great episode. It is a classic. I knock it down because of that moment in the end and also because it is a bit of a Trek trope to have like aliens that only one crew member can hear. But I don't mind the fact that the only person that can hear it is the person that is the universal translator of the ship. The actual you know? communicator. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The communicator that is lost in translation. It makes sense. It is well, a... It had to be because it's the only person who could have put together the images into mm. a language exactly mm. exactly exactly we've got okay we've got evans of wales says a seven for me 3d chess and bad deuterium signs always annoys me in trek although they were less badly done than usual though fair enough fair enough uh current mm. three says i occur with a nine so let me take those and average those quickly and that gives so, Jack the one thing that you guys oh said God. is it was very tng it mm. also to me felt very voyager in the fact that okay. it was a They've come across an invisible, you know, the invisible species. They don't know what it is. Yeah, no, but they're yeah. killing it. <laughs> no, it, so it was very voyage. No, that that makes that makes it. Yeah, no, I get that one as well. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Like some no, of those episodes are quite no, good. No. Yeah. I think actually, like Voyager established a lot of tropes along those lines more than TNG did, mm. definitely. Yeah, um, well, well, Voyager, it codifies it so often. Yeah. yeah. So chat, chat overall gives that an uh, chat. Oh, hang on, no, I put that in score, didn't I? I didn't mean to do that. One second, I need to adjust. Chat gave that an eight point one overall. So this brings us to an eight point two, which I think is very strong. Did I do that right? Let me just check. I've done this right on my spreadsheet. Oh, Cranky says seven. That's <laughs> I was reading chat without thinking about it there. Uh, yeah, so 8.2, that is great. That is that is a good, strong Trek episode that I think, like, you don't need a lot. Like, I think the previously on Trek gives you enough information to, to know enough. I think that it's definitely a, a strong episode of Trek is one you can show anyone out of order, and they'll go, yeah, oh, cool, I enjoyed that, and I think this is definitely one of those. Guys, next week is Those Old Scientists it is the Mariner Boimler coming back in time to visit mm. Pike and crew. If you haven't seen it, there is, or if you don't want to see it because of the clip as well, um, there is, yeah, because of spoilers, there is a clip out there you can watch of uh, Boimler's interactions with, with the crew. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait. Literally cannot wait. What, Evans, you're saying try not to get overhyped. I kind of am there with you. Yeah, I like, want to temper same. it a little bit, but. Yeah. Look, is... I've already given one episode this season a ten. I hope that this can break season really one's do. episode. Uh, I hope I give another ten. I want to go. Really, to I really can't wait for it. Like, is this aside from generations? Mm. Is this the first? or is this the second proper crossover? 
Deep Space Nine did the TOS crossover where they went back. That's in time. true. Okay, so it will be the third proper crossover. Yeah, I think that's the only other one. Yeah. Oh, flashback. Te- technically, flashback. Voyager. Yeah, flashback's good. Um. Oh yes, yes, with uh, Takei. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Enterprise did the Tholian thing where they kind of married up, but it wasn't really... Well, they all said these are the voyages, which is also... Uh, we don't like to talk about it, but it did I happen. Think, I think yeah. in terms of true crossover, it's maybe the fourth, <laughs> third or fourth. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say that this is the first true crossover since the um, episodes of TNG and DS9 where they were actually having episodes. Like, oh, you know, Birthright, where Bashir yeah. Comes yeah. Birthright, yeah. yeah. I feel like this is the first proper... Because in my mind, a crossover has to be Concurrent. currently airing shows yeah, 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 that yeah. are currently... Okay. like that in which case this will be the first time since the 90s which is awesome That's, i love it yeah. Yeah. give me more definitely and i can't wait to work out what kind of temporal shenanigans they've come up with to get them there and why they are there like is this a yeah. i want to see spoimler i want spoimler <laughs> spoimler <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were calling it on set my guy i'm waiting for it yeah i've not watched I've not watched the clip. I've not watched any oh. spoilers. All I've seen is two screenshots that Idol posted on Discord, and I've, that's as far as I've got. Yeah. And that's how I want to keep it. I'd rather just watch it fresh. Too right. Do it. I don't. And then you can give it a three. Too much. Seems <laughs> 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 like shit. I love it, I love you. Once. I hate lower decks. <laughs> yeah, fuck lower decks. Yeah, no. <laughs> Nah. Love you, Cranky. No, I <laughs> think it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be I think good. so. Yeah, I agree. Excellent. All right. Cranky, thank you so much for joining us this week. You've been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Stars, thank Thanks you for coming me. on this week. Everyone in chat, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. I believe we'll be back on Sunday, but keep an eye on the Discord for when we're actually doing the watch along and come and join us. For everyone viewing online, like and subscribe. We need all that shit. It's good, please. We're on the race to get a thousand subscribers so we can actually put some money into charities. Um, so, no, thank you very much. We will see you soon. We'll actually see you on Wednesday for Timelines Talks. It's coming back. No. Yes. Oh, no, I'll no. See tomorrow. 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 We're actually doing Star Trek Adventures tomorrow. We are indeed. And Cranky will also be there. He will. He'll be here tomorrow. I'll be there. Stars will be GMing. You can't get enough of me. <laughs> Damn right. I really can't. I'm even meeting up with you again. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> I just need more cranky in my life. Uh, <laughs> yes, we'll be back tomorrow for Star Trek Adventures, and then we'll be back on Wednesday for Timelines Talks, the triumphant return of episode 91, talking about Khan! And we will see you then. Ta-ra! Live long and prosper. <laughs>